don't be scared to like try new things like and don't like lose hope when something doesn't work you know a lot of people have to fail a lot to get where they are so the more you fail the more you really know Hello and welcome to the STEM and Research podcast. Today we have Harsh Mathur with us. He is here to speak about his story with STEM. Harsh is interested in aerospace engineering and physics. He is a member of the Onkarak Flying Club and enjoys piloting aircraft. In the past, he scratch built a wind tunnel and an aircraft. For the former, he was an ISF finalist 2020, and for the latter, he's been a national finalist at the Boeing IIT Aero Modeling Championship. Hi Harsh, thanks for joining us today. Hi Arnav, hi Anvesha. Thanks for having me, and like I'm excited to talk to you about my journey. One of your hobbies is piloting aircraft. So how did you get into piloting? So the journey actually didn't start right from sitting inside an actual aircraft and piloting it. Um, this goes back again to my passion with scratch building aircrafts. So I actually live uh, very close to an airfield, uh, which is now become HAL's testing center. But earlier it was the Bangalore's. It was Bangalore's airport, and like I was like always fascinated by it, and I could see them like come really, really close. Like when when an aircraft is like coming right down to the landing strip, like it's it's pretty close to the ground, and I could see it like very clearly. So. I think since then I was fascinated about aircrafts, and then slowly I started like um, I developed an interest in in like scratch building aircrafts so through RC flying. So first I was an RC pilot, which means that I had to like um, I, I was into flying radio controlled aircrafts, which which ran on internal combustion engines, which means you actually had to put fuel in. And like um, that's how these engines worked, and they had a piston, etc. Um, and later, after like uh, I developed an interest for that, I thought of building my own aircraft. So I created my own electric models. So that's uh, the most common thing used for um, uh, scratch building aircrafts. And gradually, it developed into like a full fledged passion where I thought, you know, if I can build this. Why not build and fly these? Why don't we go ahead and try out the other things? So, I jumped on board an aircraft, and yeah, and ever since then, like I was, I started flying. So, what was your first experience flying solo like? Honestly, it was very nerve-wracking. Um, the flights before that was all was with the instructor so if anything went wrong the instructor took over and like you know he would grab the the stick and actually there there are always like parallel controls so mm-hmm. he would take over but um this in this case i actually had a very heavy like sack of um stones and sta- sand in it because you know um you need to like have that amount of weight to counterbalance the power otherwise there's just too much power and like uh, your wind speed become way too high for that category of an aircraft so instead of seeing an instructor i saw like a sack of sand and and stones and i thought oh, okay now it's actually getting real i'm going to go up in the air like by myself so yeah but like uh, i had like radio contact throughout so 
that gave me some comfort but besides that it was actually very terrifying i could feel the plane reacting differently because there's not a person there anymore this just like the sack and like um there was it was different with the weights so yeah it was it was an interesting experience and mostly nerve wracking but after it after you touch down it was honestly like very revelating i felt very nice yeah that's that's really cool i mean it's scary to listen to it so yeah it is scary but like after yeah after after what after that actually there's a ceremony where like you get drenched with ice water after your first solo flight kind of like to cool you down so like yeah so it was it was all fun and games after but like the moment you take off it was nerve wracking but after that it was fun yeah so how often do you get to pilot i haven't uh, i actually haven't gone back flying since 2018 which is when like my first two three weeks of flying started and like that's because of um 2019 was was like an important year like even parents weren't for it because like 12th grade and like the climax of what you're going to do later in the rest of your life you know colleges etc that 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 process started so i didn't really go in 2019 i was going to go this year but um unfortunately that plan wouldn't see fruition yep that's how this year is for everyone <laughs> yeah that's how it is yeah so just to clarify it was in 2018 that you got your license right yeah that was yeah okay so how many hours of flight do you have in total so i have around uh, 25 to 30 hours like i know i should be a little more accurate but you can take that um as like my entire flight time because um, a few flights i was just like testing out was in the co-pilot seat and just feeling around the aircraft so yeah so you can you can say that was the time frame or the range of uh, flight hours i have yeah okay so this is probably more of a personal question but while flying an aircraft do you get to just enjoy the thrill while you're flying or how alert do you have to be at all times so if the wind is steady and uh, you find the right uh, throttle power um you can leave you can leave the bird like for a few seconds like a couple of um maybe not a couple of minutes but like you certainly have around 20 30 seconds to really like let go and enjoy but uh, like you you actually can't really absolutely let go because mm-hmm. in case there's a gust you really have to be aware so other than that yeah it is a very like um enriching experience because it's not most pilots like who fly for leisure they like most of their thrill comes from the the views the the heights and like the thrill of flying so there's obviously like a very large enjoyment factor it's not just it's not just like all serious you have to s- stay on the stick all the time you should be aware like it's kind of almost like driving but like with a lot more controls like some people if you if you're like really uh, into driving and like you find a clear stretch of road and uh, you really want to just floor it and like go full throttle down the road it's kind of like that you know you're enjoying that thrill in speed but at the same time you're careful so something like that 
okay so so what does flying mean to you oh that's so god that that's actually a very deep may even go to some philosophy <laughs> flying is like it's probably an exemplification of your desire to be free you know like many many times we've heard you know open your wings go fly go out there see the world fly fly away etc it's it's kind of like it's kind of like that when i'm flying at least when when i sit in the aircraft i i'm absolutely free like many times i'm i'm scared i might just like you know do like a trick or a maneuver or two like a bit too violently and that might just ruin everything <laughs> you know that's how free i feel so yeah that's that's actually what what flying means to me it's just absolute freedom that's definitely quite inspiring so for someone who might be watching this who wants to get into flying could you give us an idea of how one can get involved what would your advice uh, for them be yeah absolutely so i'll be honest like uh, if it's something you really really want to do and like you uh, you actually need to have some money for it like it's almost like going on an expensive holiday that's what i did like i traded my expensive holiday for flying so um there are a couple of uh, good uh, centers in india uh, which uh, like help you fly like i'm from bangalore so i know the bangalore region uh, folks but um you can certainly get in touch with them and they will tell you how to proceed so they are from tm aero sports and uh, i think we'll we'll link it up in the description as well if someone wants to really check them out so um in india unfortunately like flying isn't that free a culture as it is in many other countries like maybe say thailand thailand it's like almost like a a very common hobby so it's like you know almost like collecting stamps in thailand like a lot of people fly they come down to the airfields and like the laws in thailand are also a little more free in that sense like only recently in india do we have like an ea chapter which is experimental which means you can fly for leisure mm-hmm. but um yeah so um yeah so if you really want to like experience good flying and like uh, really explore that i would recommend uh, getting in touch with a few local um flying clubs there's one in bangalore i'm not too sure about the other cities but i'm pretty sure there are a few in hyderabad has a very good one it's by uh, captain vicky he's he's the he's the forefront um, ea chapter enthusiast in india so he has his own airfield kind of thing so you can go and fly there um a uh, bombay also has has a few in its outskirts you know nothing in the city of course maybe maybe like i i heard they used to do something in the other juhu aerodrome but i think it's stopped now so yeah so you really have to figure out what you want to do and like the best best thing to do is just straight up contact them and like understand what you want to do if you just want to experience a free free ride that's becoming more common nowadays so you can just get that done but if you really want to pursue flying um you should really get in touch with uh, some folks at tm aerosports or something of the like and they will patch you through so yeah that's what i would say okay so you built a wind tunnel from scratch for those of you who may not be aware of what a wind tunnel is can you please explain 
तो विंड टनल इज एक्सैक्टली वट इट साउंड लाइक इट्स अ टनल विच इज आर्टिफिशियली बिल्ड फ्रॉम समथिंग लाइक सिलेंडर विच इज ओपन ऑन बोथ एंड तो काइंड ऑफ लाइक सिलेंडर यू कैन इमेजिन लाइक लाइक अ बॉटल फॉर इंस्टेंस विच इज ओपन ऑन बोथ एंड एंड द पर्पज ऑफ इट इज टू पुश एयर इन टू द कॉलम विद इन so again if if this is the cylinder you want some air flow coming in in this in that section and the reason you do that is because you need some air flow going over surfaces or whatever you're placing inside so for example i want to like empirically study what's going on with a wing a car or even like anything random like a pencil i just placed it inside the wind tunnel and like the fan blows air over it and then i can see how it behaves when it's flying through the air or it's moving through the air at a certain velocity so that's exactly what a wind tunnel is um i think an easier way to explain it is this so an aircraft has to move really really fast to develop relative air flow around its wing so like that's why you know aircraft generally take the long run up for you know taking off so that they have enough air moving around them but in this case if i have to study what's happening i cannot possibly run behind an aircraft or move parallelly to see what's happening with the air so instead of making the aircraft move i make the aircraft stationary and let the air move around it so that i can study what's going on instead of running behind an aircraft or you know something impractical like that so that's the purpose of a wind tunnel is to study air flow over anything you place inside so what made you want to build a wind tunnel so i too wanted to study exactly what what happens the wing at certain conditions um for example angle of attack so to explain that i'll i'll show you with the help of this model of an airplane now mm-hmm. in certain instances uh when the the nose is pitched up like kind of steep with respect to the incoming airflow which is generally like flat like that when it's really steep um the wing actually loses lift this is because of a phenomenon which doesn't uh, allow the wind to like keep around the wing at this angle at this angle the 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 incoming air just like kind of misses the wing on top and that's extremely important to um develop good lift so i wanted to study if there was a method uh, to reduce that separation of airflow so that uh, even at these high angles of attack which is when the nose is up there is a decent amount of airflow and therefore lift around the wing so that's exactly why i built a wind tunnel actually a more interesting reason as to why i had to actually build a physical wind tunnel instead of using software so uh, there is software that exists for this it's called uh, cfd computational fluid dynamics and actually the only reason i didn't pick that is because i don't have access 
to a computer which matched the specs required to um, crunch those numbers and those simulations. These systems require 32 gigs of DDR4, like those sort of specs. So I did not have that. I just upgraded. I have, I have a PC that uses DDR3, so I didn't have all that. So that's exactly why I felt that I should build a wind tunnel. And I felt that I had more uh, freedom over a lot of variables. I mean, people feel the opposite. Some people say that, you know, on software, you can manage variables better. But I just had the feeling that this will be as close to the real thing as possible. And that's actually true as well. Like whenever you test on software, you go to the wind tunnel and verify. So instead of doing that, I, I just thought that, you know, wind, the wind tunnel is the right way to go for my study. So all of these factors combined um, led me to build it. So how exactly did you build the wind tunnel? Yeah, so um, that's actually a good question because um, I did not follow a particular schematic. Uh, I actually like drew the plans myself, obviously with a lot of help from the internet. Um, uh, there are there are a lot of um, DIY, DIY projects that do this for you and they tell you exactly how to make one, but those required like a certain type of uh, material and certain dimensions which was not available to me. So I decided to like use the basic concept of a wind tunnel. So I looked up wind tunnels at um, uh, different universities, uh, wind tunnels that actually work. And uh, so I decided to like make a cone. Like, so it was divided into three parts. There's a suction cone. So like there's, there's this large opening in the front. There's a flow straightener uh, to like straighten the flow. You don't want turbulent flow coming into your into the test module and then from the test module there was a simple diffuser so it was just like a three to four step process like three to four components in my wind tunnel so the, the way i built it was not linear at all for example uh, it actually depended a lot on what i could find so there was some plywood on the roof which was unclaimed so i just decided to take that and cut it up into like pieces of a cone so the cone you can imagine it like a pyramid but like the top is cut off so that's how i made my cone um the rest was made from other scrap material and the only uh, material i actually used for to like acquire i actually had to buy it was uh, the testing the test center where you actually have to see so that has to be like a transparent thing something like something like glass so i used uh, a type of polyester which you can see through so that that was the only component i had to buy the rest was all scrap material from our basement mm -hmm. our terrace whatever i could get my hands on and uh, even the flow straightener just used a bunch of straws uh, and i just stuck it together so that the, the flow is clean. Um, so you already mentioned that you build the tunnel for a study. So if I'm not wrong, this was for your ISIF project. So could you like explain more about what was the research for this project about? Right, so ISIF happened gradually. It wasn't exactly planned that this has to go to ISIF. I, I was actually initially just 
really interested in you know building something hands on and like i needed like kind of sort of like a break from aircraft because i was uh, i thought that you know i think i'll step into a little more of academia than just flying planes around for leisure so that's exactly why i built it um so the later when the results of the experiment uh experimentation actually were feasible i thought this could be converted into a project so i saw that you know there is a method that that can be used to um remove the the problems that were occurring when the nose of the airplane is high so i figured out a method to uh, use a pipe inside the wing so something over here and it would blow across the surface uh creating a little more like attraction for the wind above that usually missed this surface so now it kind of uh came more close in contact with it so after i realized that this actually works um i i decided to like make it into a project and submit it to i so all projects definitely come with their own set of challenges what were some for this project except for the fact that you had to build together like everything by yourself so i think more than you know the pain i took to build a wind tunnel there is there is one small piece of um, there's one small component to the experiment that i actually underestimated which is that you cannot see air and you need a visualizer so to get this visualizer the, the number of things i've burned the number of things i've used to like create smoke or some form of visibility was phenomenal um i actually started out with a uh, like burning glycerin so glycerin mm-hmm. that didn't work that didn't produce enough smoke um then we went to the absolute uh, indian hindu method which is gathering a lot of agarbatti attar um dhoop and putting it into a container burning it that that produced good amount of smoke it fogged up my entire house but not nearly enough to see results appropriately um i even like made like i literally took a bottle attached a fan on top like somewhere over here and like filled it up with a lot of dhoop so that i could force it out the other end so the pipe came out from the pipe came out from there and that still didn't work so uh, finally i landed up with using a substance that i i didn't want to use because it it's kind of dangerous as well but not nearly as dangerous as you know even um dhoop and stuff i actually even acquired some um ammonium nitrate which is used for firecrackers mm-hmm. and stuff and like i made like a smoke bomb inside an an aluminum foil and and all and like the amount of heat that liberated was a lot so i mean the only i only did one test run downstairs and like that just fogged up the apartment and like thing was very hot even after some time uh i also i also used this yeah there's one more chemical reaction i used i used h2o2 and um 
potassium per magnate so like that gives like a lot of oxygen so you, that, like which dissipates so i've used all of this and all of these have failed because like i used like a bottle like this and like they cannot handle such exothermic reactions so it, they just like melted almost mm. exploded so all of this finally i landed on like dry ice plus hot water so that worked the best but to like get dry ice i had to wake up at 6 in the morning and and go to the place where uh, they sell it because usually like they sell it in like huge quantities so i really had to ask him um to give it to me in like a small quantity usually used in hospitals and stuff so yeah so that was a huge challenge i mean after that it was kind of like child's play because i mean i've i've already engineered around bottles so might as like i didn't use, it didn't require enough trouble to like do the rest another like kind of uh, challenging part was uh, uh using uh, finding something to like blow on to the wing to like i told you that uh, over here i used like a tube to blow mm-hmm. stuff but what do i blow it with finally i used the vacuum cleaner lying around so somehow i engineered that and like made a spigot and like finally it was able to like blow stuff from the from the the pipes i placed on inside the the test center so i had to drill a hole inside the testing component and like yeah so it was it was a lot of like hands on engineering work and like a lot of challenges that came but like uh, i didn't face that much challenge with the experimentation because that read up a lot and like the theory worked out most of it has been done but no one's really used it in the context of eliminating turbulence they've all spoken about how it's efficient but yeah so i knew that it would work but like building it and doing the stuff was easily like a huge challenge that's extremely cool and it's quite the story so Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So after you finished the project, just as you mentioned before, you submitted it to IRS, which is the National Field Fair to ISF. So how was your experience at the IRS National Science Fair? It was actually amazing because, um, partly because I don't think I had to like manage all the the jargon of traveling. with a lot of stuff because it happened in my city mm-hmm. i think a lot of participants complained about that and like that was easily a headache i could uh, remove because um it's in the same city so i was able to actually bring the entire wind tunnel to iris to show the mm-hmm. the judges that you know this is this is what i've done and um i didn't i didn't fire it because they were all in in a hurry so but they they i, I showed them like the turning of the fan and the stuff i've used also the fan was also powered by the rc crafts i used to to uh, fly so that 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 was also that was something i could show them that was the only thing i could show them that was a that was a good plus um it was my first iris i actually didn't hear a lot of how these go i heard a few people saying that you know now the funding changed like so it's not intel sponsoring it anymore but I actually enjoyed it. They did a very good job uh mm-hmm. with whatever they had and um yeah it was absolutely enjoyable. I walked off with so many new friends and so many new contacts. So it was absolutely interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
we all three of us know each other from IRS itself. So, as exactly. if we haven't mentioned that enough times on the yeah, podcast already. Exactly. <laughs> um, kind of building off on your interest in aerospace engineering, you've also scratch built an aircraft, right? So, what was the motivation behind that project, and how did you get started? Like your initial um, point. So, th- this was actually my first indulgence in scratch building. This was way before the wind tunnel. Um, that's that's actually how I got interested in, you know, finally building and and finally playing around with engineering, etc. And it actually started off with a lot of like reward and feedback because when I used to build something, I really wanted to play with it to have fun and actually feel that, you know, all the effort has led to something. That's why I built, you know, my own airplane um, from scratch in, in Depron. So Depron is a type of foam. It's a foam board, kind of like, uh, your cardboard, but it has a thin layer of of foam between its edges. So it's like it's almost like styrofoam, but uh, way stronger. I cut them out into pieces, and then finally, you know, stuck them up like a three D figure. You would you would after like uh, taking out pieces on a two D cutout. So that's exactly how like you build scratch build these aircraft. And um, you know you have to wire them to a radio, so I had to like separately purchase that radio because for these you need like four channels. It's not possible to like uh, take out your remote control radio and uh, you know attach those control surfaces to your airplane because um, an airplane usually requires uh, three axes of rotation and movement to actually work well. Um, Typically, I've flown with all four. So, an airplane has four axes, right? It has bank, which is this, yaw, which is like turning flat like a car, and then up and down, which is elevator, and finally, most important, throttle. So, these are the axes. So, you require four. For a car, you need two, you front, back, left, right. So those are two, two channels of movement. So that's why it wasn't possible to, for me to use those radios. So I purchased a separate one, wired, you know, a rudder, aileron, elevator, and throttle. So that's how I built my first aircraft. It's some material called Depron. So like I said, it's like a cardboard. So I cut out pieces and then stuck them up into a 3D figure and then attached a motor and did the control surfaces and then tried flying them around. So this comes with a lot of training and understanding of how an aircraft works. Like even if there is some weight imbalance, you know, sometimes there is a little bit nose heavy, which means that it's slightly bending forward and a little bit tail heavy, which means that it's going to tilt upwards. This greatly impacts performance. So you really have to get your weights right. A lot of calibration goes in pre-flight to actually make an aircraft that can perform to your commands, whatever you're giving on your radio. So yeah, actually pause one second. I might just be able to take out the radio and show you 
you know mm-hmm. how how complex it looks one second sure right so this is how a radio for like an rc aircraft looks as you can see it's a little more sophisticated than your remote control car um so like i said there are four channels so this is your throttle this is your rudder which means your yaw this is your aileron and this is your elevator that's up and down aileron is for banking like that mm-hmm. so yeah so, and these other switches are programmable for example for another uh, project i think we'll touch that later uh, required to make a a hatch door which opened and then dropped the payload from the aircraft so you can program one of these switches to do that and uh, yeah so these switches are used for multiple different things after all you know hobby flying is a huge huge different world um and that's how actually i picked up so hobby flying is where you know you pick up um, aircrafts uh, which are almost ready to fly so you just assemble them and fly you know speeds do acrobatics some of them do wonderful hovering you know they'll actually bring an aircraft in and uh, hover it like a helicopter so it's a, it's a whole new sport and that's how i started flying they eventually developed into like building and then finally into academics and how airflow works etc so would you say it was one of the first things that got you into aerospace stuff in general yeah absolutely absolutely because it was it was like i said uh, when i was that young i didn't really see the importance of being that cerebral and being um, as academic as i thought i was like kind of like a playful kind of person so still am like obviously still am but back then like i required a lot more you know if they it had to be fun for me to pursue it so it was only mm-hmm. fun like eventually it it it's still fun but it turned into a whole new type of fun yeah so yeah so i think we already mentioned this a couple of times this was your first project and uh, you competed at the boeing iit air modeling championship with this aircraft so a noteworthy thing about this achievement that you were just 13 years old when you first competed so how was that experience oh absolutely like nerve wracking at first because all of these guys were in colleges some even from the iits and all of them were in a team and i was one alone eighth grader walking in with one 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 radio like this they had like more sophisticated radios and like you know with one airplane in the other hand <laughs> yeah so it was very interesting however like from who i learned flying so flying is actually like i said it's a sport and it's not like an like an rc car where you know you drive it around you hit it into a wall worst thing happens it breaks but like an rc flying you can't do that because like you know first of all prop speeds it's actually dangerous a lot of people have like had fatalities and a lot of things like that so you really have to treat it like a very serious sport in that sense so and like flying is also not you know very like cheap like an rc car for example if you if you don't know exactly how to recover from situations if you don't know exactly how to fly you will lose the aircraft and that's 
quite a lot of money like each frame costs around like 5 to 6000 rupees so yeah so i only i have bought like a couple of frames and like the rest i've scratch built once you start scratch building you're more confident because if it crashes you're like i can fix it. but you mm-hmm. know as a sport you know a lot of you know a lot of jet rc aircraft where they actually use a jet turbine engine a small version these go upwards of about 15 to 20 lakhs upwards so even you can't even replace the composite material if it crashes so it's a sport to be taken seriously you really should know yourself and like models go up all the way you can imagine the number like 50 lakhs upwards 1 crore things hit that level if you're like really flying passionately so mm-hmm. yeah so that's why you, you should learn it so yeah i went into this tangent to tell you that i had to learn it from someone and these people actually told me you know there's something at iit where uh, you should uh, you know try it out and see what it is so i thought that like, i will try it out so i got in touch with the organizers and i just asked them if it's even possible for like a school student to come and participate they said it is okay so i i decided to go with it and like yeah so it was it was a fun experience a lot of them obviously you know uh, for many reasons um i won't hold it against them and i won't say that i was extremely was too good i just had like a few resources like i actually uh prof- like learned flying from a professional many mm-hmm. many of these students you know when they come from colleges you know even through the iit system they they're not uh, you know exposed to such resources mm-hmm. so that may be a reason but yeah it was actually it was actually interesting to see that i could actually hold my own against them because after all you know even like with learning flying was still going up against teams of like college students so it was yeah it was nerve wracking at first i did not know like you know if i would actually do something on and win or anything like that was not in my head i just wanted to like show what i could do with my plane so yeah it was it was an interesting scene it did go and crash as well like a couple of times so i had to like repair it on spot so yeah that was that was also interesting um i had help from there was another team from bangalore who knew who uh the people who taught me so once it when it crashed i thought you know this piece uh, cannot uh, attach itself to the wing but they helped me out i think he used like a knife from his pocket and stuff so that was that was also a learning experience so there was uh it was like a small a uh, shaft which had broken in my wing and mm-hmm. uh, this guy i think he almost like took a twig off the ground and kind of stuck it with you know the cyano super glue and all you find you know he used his sand paper and like gave it that shape that was incredible to watch like it was i was i did not have words like the plane crashed and he picked up a twig from the ground and he fixed it it was absolutely insane that actually you know opened my eyes it taught me that you know engineering is not something you know is always cerebral textbook or you have to have the right equipment it's just you know it's like an art like it's like you know actually creating carving things even from scratch absolutely nothing so that was that was absolutely wonderful more than like winning that experience was like the thing for me But, yeah okay definitely sounds like that was one of the most memorable things that uh, you took away with you 
Okay, so we're at the end of this right now. So finally, do you have any advice for young people just getting started with uh, wanting to get into research or innovation or any final takeaways for the viewers? Uh, uh, yeah, so actually answers to this question, especially to me, I go on an entire series of knowledge like, so I think to like really narrow it down, I would say that um, don't be scared to like try new things, like and don't like lose hope when something doesn't work. And this goes for like anything, like especially research. When we see that you know an experiment we've actually really worked on and see that and uh, I've actually worked out the problems behind it, and we see it doesn't work. Many times we actually just go away and pick a whole new stream or a whole new type of learning. But instead of being dejected, you should really accept that as a whole experience of science. It's, it's part of it. And like you will only know if you don't really get there. You know, it's like all these common sayings where they say that, you know, a person who's lost a million times and, and won once will have a lot more information and knowledge about you know people who've done it at once like a lot of like any standardized test for example if if they've scored you know a perfect one the first attempt they're not nearly as knowledgeable about you know the whole thing as as opposed to someone who's like you know given many attempts and finally reached that that score mm -hmm. so it's it's a similar concept and the more you fail the more you really know that's what i would say and uh, it's, it's it's just a part of it. You can't take, you know, failure as a way to, uh, like, exploring yourself as someone who's not done much. It's just a small part of it. And, you know, a lot of people have to fail a lot to get where they are. So take it as, take it, as it comes and don't take it personally. Just, just keep going. That's what I would say. Thank you, Harsh, for joining us today and thanks to our audience for tuning in. We'll see you all in our future episodes.